All right, we'll say good morning. Let us begin a beautiful daf out of us today. We'll begin by thanking our sponsors to thank our Tamil Torah sponsors for the month of Av, Max and Brenda Lapkovsky, in honor of the upcoming Marisa of their son Yitzchak Mayer, Dr. Riva Mitzner, commemoration of the first stereotype of her father, Dr. Larry Schenk, Aryeh Ben Chaim, and Jack Bennett, in honor of Sergeant, memory of Sergeant Omer Tabiv, who was killed by a Hamas anti-tank missile on the Gaza border on May 12th, 2021. We hope that in the merit of our Tamatora, all of the Neshamas will have an aliyah and the families a Nechama. Let's read that, let us begin. So today's daf is Chav Zayin 27. Really an incredible daf out of us today. We are picking up in Yerat Hashem on um, Chav Vav Amid Beis 26b. And we are picking up kind of in the middle of Amid Beis. Uh, Rabbi Yossi Omer, Hayyelodim. So we'll say, so remember again, we were discussing the interesting, the interesting conversation, the interesting conversation regarding the halachos of Tfilin. Shinas Keva, Shinas Arai, a nap, a deeper sleep. So now the Gemara says as follows, almost smack in the middle of, of Ahmed Bey's. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Hayyelodim, the Olam Cholzim, the Enon Manichim. Yeladim, and I both say, now we often translate Yeladim as children, but really, again, Rashi says it's Bachrim, young men. Young men should always go ahead and take off their tefillin, and they should not leave it on even for a nap. Why? Because ultimately, again, it's common for them. Now, Rashi assumes Tumah in this context means a seminal emission. It's common for them to have a seminal emission. So, what is that? So, we'll see. Lema Kasar Biosi, Balkari Asolaniach Tefillin, is that saying that Rabbi holds that a Balkari? A man who had a seminal emission is prohibited from wearing tefillin. No, no, no. We're talking about young men, young married men, whose wives are with them. So a young married man whose wife is with him should not go ahead and even nap when wearing tefillin because there's a concern that he's going to be intimate with his wife inadvertently while, not inadvertently, he's going to be intimate with his wife while wearing tefillin. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says, if let's say a person was wearing tefillin and forgetting that he was wearing tefillin ended up having relations while wearing tefillin. We learned in yesterday's daf that if a man becomes a balkari when wearing tefillin, ideally he, should, you know, he has to remove the tefillin, but he shouldn't remove the tefillin by touching it directly. Instead, what should he do? Now it's even more. He really should not touch the ritzua, the strap, or the ketzitza. The ketzitza is the bias. Ad sheyital yodov v'yitlev. Until he goes ahead and washes his hands. Natila sedayim. Mipnei shayadayim askani oslo. Ultimately, again, because hands often touch covered parts of the body. Good. So we'll say that brings to a close. That brings to a close our sugya regarding tefillin. Now, what I, what I would like to kind of end off this sugya with, although I'm trying to be very, very mindful of the time. Um, you know, maybe we'll come back to it. Just remind me, I'm going to try to leave a few minutes over. This very interesting discussion regarding sleeping shisin nishmin biyom. Remember again, the Gemara had a discussion that a person shouldn't sleep more than shisin nishmin, 60 horse respirations by day. So we'll try, I'm going to try to save a little bit of time at the end 
to go back to that and to discuss what exactly. Fine, you know, let me just do it now. So the Gemara says as follows. Well, so listen to this. So this is in the Shulchan Aruch. I'll just do this really very quickly. I'm going to give you the Maran Makom. I'm going to speak about it for a minute, and then you're going to look at the rest of it on your own. Simin Dalid Siftes Zayin in Arachayim. All the way to the beginning of Shulchan Aruch. So Shulchan Aruch writes as follows. Listen to this. David, Rafarvis the David Amalek, Hayanisar Shalalishan Shisin Nishmin. David Amalek was careful to never sleep more than Shis Nishmin, which again, we've translated as 60 horse respirations. Now, David HaMalach did that because again, the Gemara discusses that sleep is one sixtieth of death. David HaMalach never wanted to enter into the category or into the framework of death, and therefore he was careful to never sleep more than Shis Nishmin. Now, the Ramah, the Ramah comments on this. The Ramah says, Hago, ubigimara perakayashin, calling our gimara mesecha suka, mashma de dafka biyom hayanisar. So we'll say, already a fascinating machlokas comes up. The Ramah comments that David Amalek was only careful not to sleep shisin nishmin by day, which, by the way, is really the context of our gimara, sleeping by day. But at night, David HaMelech would sleep, whatever, whatever he would sleep. So the Mishnaburah comments on this. The Mishnaburah says, the Davka Bayom, by the way, oh, I, I, just, I sent this out to you on the WhatsApp chat yesterday. You actually have, you actually have this PDF of the Shulchan Aruch. But again, you can follow along or not. Mishnaburah says, Hisigol Avachronim, Delo Nimtza Shamkim Bigimar Rak Ala Amoroim, Aval David Ba'atzmo, Gam Belayla Haya Nisar, Listen to this. So the Mishnaburah comments, and the Mishnaburah says, by the way, there is no indication from David HaMelech that this was only by day. The other, so other commentaries explain that David HaMelech was actually makbid to never sleep more than Shisin Nishmin in general, by night and by day. But the Mishnaburah says, most of us are not going to be makbid on this at night, but at least to try to be makbid on this by day. By day, not to sleep more than Shisin Nishmin. The Mishnah Burda makes another statement. Also, listen to this. Ve'ain Shabbos bichlalze. The Mishnah Burda says Shabbos is not included in this, right? In the Shisin Nishmin idea, he goes ahead and so he, he he quotes a number of different things. What about the Shir of Shisin Nishmin? So how long is this? So the Ber Halacha writes over here as follows: Rabu Bohadeos b'Shir Zeh. So ultimately, again, there are many different opinions. Yesh Omrim Duhu Gimel. It's on the other, well, it's on the second page of your PDF. Yesh Omrim Duhu Gimel shows, some say, that Shisa Nishman is three hours. Three hours. Some bring a riot to that because the Arizal would sleep two or three hours on Shabbos afternoon. And the Ari would not have slept two or three hours on Shabbos afternoon if what? if it was usher to do so. Now that's interesting because the Mishnaburah just said that the issue of Shisa Nishman doesn't apply on Shabbos. That's clearly not agreed upon by everyone. There are many who say that Shisa Nishman does apply on Shabbos. So he gives a whole different V'yish Dochin. Others say it's not the case. They quote other opinions. Some say Shisa Nishman is a half hour and others say that it's two or three minutes. So I just want to point out, we go literally again from two or three minutes for two or three hours. Let's say, what's the takeaway? The takeaway is, don't sleep your life away. That's the takeaway from this. That at, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, 
a person should not lose out on the opportunities of life because they are sleeping. That's what David HaMelech was sensitive to. There's so much to do. There's so much to accomplish. There's so much to be. There's time to sleep after 120. Don't utilize the precious moments of life sleeping, but rather utilize them doing. Good, let's go back there. Says, I told you, only, only, only 30 seconds. Says in the Mishnah, We'll say now we get into something very interesting regarding sukkah, namely again, what you have to eat in the sukkah, what you don't have to eat in the sukkah. So one time a story occurred, they brought food to Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai to go ahead and taste it. With Rabbi Gamliel, and Rabbi Gamliel, they brought him two dates and a bucket of water. Va'amru, and they said, Halom Musukah. So in both of these cases, Rabbi Gamliel, I'm sorry, Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai told their attendants, bring the food into the sukkah and we'll have it there. We'll have it there. Now, in both of these cases, you're talking about a relatively small amount of food, right? They, remember again, Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai, the Lashon of the Mishnah is Litom, a Ti'ima. They wanted him to taste something. Two dates and a glass of water, certainly not a meal. And nevertheless, in these cases, they told their attendants, bring the food into the sukkah. And when they would give Rabbi Tzadok food, less than the volume of a beitza, of an egg, he would go ahead and wrap it in a cloth. He would eat it outside of the sukkah. And he would not bench afterwards. Now, there's a lot of stuff happening in that episode with Reb Tzadik. So when they would bring Reb Tzadik food less than a kabetza, three things would occur. Number one, he would, he would hold it while in a cloth. Number two, he wouldn't eat it in the sukkah. Number three, he would not bench. Look at Rashi. Not <coughs> yadav. He would not wash his hands. He wouldn't, he wouldn't do netilas yadayim. Rabbi Tzadik was of the opinion that bread, less than a kibetza, does not require netilas yadayim, right? Especially if you're not going ahead and directly holding the bread itself. Rather, being korech b'mapa, holding it in a cloth. Number two, it doesn't require netilas yadayim. Number three, it doesn't require benching. Why doesn't it require benching? So Rashi goes on saying, because Rabbi Huda is of the opinion, Meseches Brachas, V'yachalta v'savata uveirachta. When is there an obligation to go ahead and what? To go ahead and bench? Only when what? V'savata. One is satiated. Says the Gemara, my salister. The Gemara says, I don't understand. In the previous Mishnah, in the previous Mishnah, we said, Ochlin v'shosin arai chutz That you could have a snack a non-meal outside of the sukkah. Now here in this Mishnah, what are you starting with? Two stories of where these Rabbanim ate their snacks inside of the sukkah. So is the story coming to contradict the rule we espoused before? To which the Gemara says, no, no, no. In fact, there's a piece missing. There's some wording missing and here's how you have to read it. Im bala listen to this. The way what the Mishnah is teaching us is as follows. The halacha is, achilas arai can be eaten outside of the sukkah. That is the halacha. And I will say, why are you permitted to eat achilas arai outside of the sukkah? Why is that mutter? Because at the end of the day, 
your sukkah is like your home. Just like in your home, it's very common to eat a snack on the go, and you won't eat a snack inside of your house. So to your sukkah, you can eat a snack outside of your sukkah. What's happening over here in our Mishnah? If a person wants to be machmir on themselves and eat everything, even a snack inside of the sukkah, it's permitted. And it doesn't look like spiritual arrogance. You know, there's an interesting idea in halacha, interesting idea in halacha that a person should refrain from certain activities, even spiritual activities, if it has the appearance of arrogance. You know, I'll give you an example. So the Mishnabura comments, he says, by the, you know, by the Hasidim, they put on tefillin of Rashi and Rabbeinu Tam. So the Mishnabura says, what happens if a person wants to start putting on Rabbeinu Tam tefillin? So interesting, the Mishnabura says, Mechzi Kihura, it looks like spiritual arrogance. We don't, we don't do it. We don't, we don't do it. We don't do it. So because we don't do it, not by the Hasidim, I'm talking about, but because we don't, we don't do it, there are certain things where if you go above and beyond the norm, so it looks like arrogance. You know, it's this interesting idea because on one hand, we're always pushing ourselves to do more, to be more, to actualize more. But yet sometimes there is a situation where what you're doing is such a departure from the norm that it looks arrogant. So the Gemara is saying over here, the Mishnah is teaching me, you don't have to eat achilas aray inside of the sukkah. But if you want to be machmir, you can be machmir. And there is no achila, and there is no yuhura. There's no arrogance. <coughs> the Gemara says, Because one time they brought Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai to taste some of the food, and they brought Rabbi Gamliel two dates and a bucket of water, top of Chavzayin, and they said, right, they said to their attendants, bring the food into the sukkah. Similarly, when they gave to Rabbi Tzadok food, less than the volume of an egg, not lo b'mapa, he took it in a cloth, v'achlo chutz l'sukkah, he ate it outside of the sukkah, v'lo beirach acharov, and he did not bench afterwards. So the Gemara just infers, ha'kebetza ba'i sukkah, so that sounds like if you have an egg's volume, you do require a sukkah. Le'ima te'heve t'yuf t'di Rabbi Yosef ha'abaye, I guess this is a refutation of the position of Yosef and Abaye, to which the Gemara says, Dilma, pachos mika beitza, netila ubracha lo Maybe if you have food that's less than a beitza, so ultimately, again, it doesn't require netila's diamond, it doesn't require brachas amazon. However, a beitza, but in eggs volume, boy netila ubracha, would require both washing as well as a bracha. And I both say, so I want to point out, the I, I sent out to you on the WhatsApp chat, the shulchan aruch on this sugya, the what you have to eat in the sukkah and when you have to eat it is a more involved conversation. The general klal is you're only chayiv to eat achilas keva, right? What we'll call, quote unquote, a meal inside the sukkah. Achilas aray does not require a sukkah. That's the simplified version. The halachalamaisa is a bit more complex because then we get into, again, chameshis mini dagon grain-based items, right? Even eating a bit more of that might require a sukkah. So we'll, ha- we'll have to find an opportunity to delve into those halachos a little bit more. But at least kind of as an overarching principle, we do accept this principle. Achilas keva has to be in the sukkah, but achilas aray does not. I will say, just to show you how it gets a little bit complicated sometimes, wine. Do you have to drink wine in a sukkah? Do you have to drink wine in a sukkah? So interestingly enough, 
Wine is an interesting thing because since wine is chashuv, right? Sometimes the mere consumption of wine itself is considered like achilas keva. So, for example, if you're just having a little bit of wine, technically speaking, a little bit of wine would not require a sukkah. But let's say if you're going to have a the next two, two, two revesim, right? You're going to drink two revises of wine. You would require a sukkah. Well, so you, know, you know where this comes up? You know this comes up? Fascinating uh, situation. Havdallah. Havdallah on, let's say, again, Shabbos Chalamayid. Or, or, or Havdallah, I should say, on Matzah Yamtiv, right? Going into Chalamayid. Right? Do, do you make a Leshev Basukkah when you make Havdallah or not? So what does it depend on? What does it depend on? How much wine you're going to drink. So conventional wisdom is drink an additional rabias of wine in addition to Havdalah. This way, first of all, you never go wrong by drinking an additional rabias of wine. But here over here, you make it, you drink an additional rabias, you make a leishay basukah. So just pointing out to you, drinking an additional rabias of wine, would we automatically assume that that's called achilas keva? No. So again, the principle is correct. Of course, the principle is correct. Right? The principle, as the Gemara is saying it over here, is the one we follow, Halach Lamaisa, but the actual details are a bit more involved. The Mirat have the opportunity to come back to it. Good. Says the Mishnah. We both say this is actually quite a fascinating sugya. Excuse me. Good. Mishnah. Really exciting. Rabbi Eliezer Omer. Listen to this. Rabbi Eliezer holds that you are obligated over the course of Yom Tiv to eat 14 meals in the sukkah. So, right, an obligation of 14 meals. Achaz bayom ba'achaz balayla. Where do you get 14? Seven days of sukkahs, because remember again, Shemini Yatzeris is not part of sukkahs. Seven days of sukkahs, one meal by day, one meal by night. The chacham say, ain ladavar kitzvah. The chachamim say, no, there is no obligation to have meals every single day. Right, I want to point out, there is, a, there is an independent mitzvah of the Samachta Bechagecha, which is a general simcha, which is a general mitzvah of simcha on Yom Tiv. And at least for men, that simcha is in food, right? Basar and yayin. But we're not talking about that. What we're talking about over here is the general ob- obligation of sukkah. So Rabbi Eliezer holds the mitzvah of sukkah itself generates an obligation for 14 meals, two meals a day. The Chum say there, there is no minimum or maximum number of meals you have to have in the sukkah. You want to eat, you don't want to eat. One exception, chutz, the only exception is the first night of Yom Tiv. On the first night of Yom Tiv, there is an obligation to go ahead and and have a meal, and have a meal. That's the that's the only that's the only obligation you have. So again, I want to point out about say if you look at Rashi Anos listen to this. The Chachamim say if you don't want to eat over sukkis, that's your business. That's your business. You want to eat, you don't want to eat. That's up to you. The only thing that Chacham say you must do is have a su'uda the first night of Yom Tif. So the Gemara says, Va'od, I'm Rabbi Eliezer, listen to this. Mishalo achal Yom Tavish, or Lady Yom Tavishin, Yashlim Yom Tava Acharon Shalchag. So let's listen to this. Rabbi Eliezer says, What happens? See, I both say, here's what's interesting. Rabbi Eliezer agrees with the Chachamim on the first meal, right? Because the Chum say you have to have the first meal, the first night of Yom Tiv. Rabbi Eliezer, of course, agrees with that because that's part of Rabbi Eliezer's 14. 
What happens if you missed the first meal, right? What happens if, again, first night of Yom Tiv, you didn't eat. You fell asleep, you, you didn't eat. Rabbi Eliezer says something amazing. You're obligated to make it up. You're obligated to make it up. And he says you can make it up even into what? Even into Shmini Atzeres. Now, both say, now that's quite interesting because as we're going to see, Shmini Atzeres is really reckoned as a separate, independent Yom Tiv. Nevertheless, so I will say two, two halachas Rabbi Eliezer is saying. Number one, well, three halachas. Number one, you need to have 14 meals. Number two, if you miss night one, you have to make it up. And number three, you can make it up even into Shemini Yatzeres. V'cham v'cham say, well, say, listen to this, listen to this piece of the Mishnah. V'cham say, eim l'davar tashluin. V'cham say that once you miss the meal on the first night, there's no makeup. There's no makeup. Well, say, listen to this. V'yalzeh ne'emar. And about something like this, it is said, quoting the Pasuk from Tehillim, Mu'uvas lo yuchal liskon, that which is crooked, right? That which is crooked cannot be straightened out. And that which is missing cannot be counted. In other words, the Chachamim say, there are things in life that if you miss the opportunity, you miss the opportunity. I've often found that this is one of the most haunting psukim in all of Tanakh. Sometimes in life you miss opportunities and once you miss it, you can never regain it. It doesn't mean there aren't other opportunities. There'll be different opportunities. But sometimes when opportunities, opportunities come our way and we say later, 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 whatever you fill in the blank, I'll get to it later. And then finally, when we realize that, wow, this is a great opportunity, we want to take it, it's gone. It's gone. Almost as if we have this expectation that the opportunities of life will wait for us, but they never do. They never do. So it's really two parts. Move us, sometimes you, you break something and you can't fix it. And sometimes you miss opportunities and you can't regain them. So the Chacham say, once you miss your opportunity on the first night of Yom Tev Tav, your Suda, you're done. There's, there's, there's no makeup for that. But you know, when I was, doing, when I was preparing that, I thought to myself, can you imagine what, what a schus it is to think about that the only missed opportunity you ever had in life was a meal. Right? What, what, a, what a great place to be in. Right? Yeah, I, I, I missed the meal opportunity. That should be our missed opportunities of life. So the Gemara goes right there. Plus, it's very exciting, Sugyo. My time at Rabbi Eliezer. What's Rabbi Eliezer's logic of 14 meals? So he says, Teshvu ke'en taduru. Because he passed and said, You have to live in your sukkah the same way you dwell in your home. Madira achas bayom achas balayla. Just like a dira, right? Just like ultimately, again, in your home, you normally eat two meals. It's actually very interesting. They, w- they didn't eat three meals a day, right? They ate, they ate two meals, right? They ate two meals. Really what they ended up eating, it seems to be, was like a later breakfast and an earlier dinner, right? We know because, again, the, the Yomar tells us that the power of pashachris of eating in the morning. And interestingly enough, people were makbid to eat before it got dark outside, because the Gemara discusses that a summa, a blind person, is never full. Which is actually interesting because the Gemara assumes that part of the eating experience is seeing what you eat. Which is interesting. I guess, you know, we'll say, you know people talk about, like, I feel like presentation. It, it, there's something to it. There's something to it. Part of the enjoyment of eating, ultimately, again, is presentation. So the Gemara says, Achaz bayom ba'achaz balayla. Afsuka, achaz. Let's just point out. Oh, okay, okay. So to sukkah, two meals, one by day, one by night. That's Rabbi Eliezer Shita. 
Your sukkah looks just like your house. How so? And then Rabbanon will say, yeah, in your home, do you have an obligation to eat two meals a day? you have an obligation? If you want to eat, you eat. If you don't want to eat, you don't want to eat. So to in the sukkah, if you want to eat, you'll eat. If you don't want to eat, you don't eat. So we'll say, so interestingly enough, both Rabbi Eliezer and the Rabbanon are actually agreeing on the principle the principle is that your life in your sukkah must mirror your life at home. Rabbi Eliezer will say, you eat two meals, most people eat two meals a day. So therefore in your sukkah, you have to eat two meals a day. They're about to say, no, most people what? Eat when they want to. So to in your sukkah, you can eat when you want to. I says the Gemara, Well, Rabbanon, if that's the case, that just like in your house, you eat when you want to, so in your, in your sukkah, you should eat when you want to. The same halacha should apply for the first night of sukkis as well. For the first night of sukkis as well. To which the Gemara says, So in other why, why Rabbanam do you say that there's an obligation to have a meal on the first night? Wow. Incredible, incredible. It says 15th by Pesach and it says 15th by Sukkis. Just like by Pesach, the first night of Pesach, there's an obligation to have matzah, right? The rest of Pesach, you want to eat matzah, you don't want to eat matzah, that's up to you. But the first night of Pesach, you have to eat matzah. Afkan. Laila Rishon Chova. So too over here by Sukkis. You can sit in the Sukkah. You don't want to sit in the Sukkah. First night, you have to have a meal in your Sukkah. But for the rest of Sukkis, whatever you want to do is your business. Same way on the rest of Pesach. You want to eat matzah. Don't want to eat matzah. That's up to you. So to Sukkis. You want to sit in the Sukkah. Don't want to sit in the Sukkah. That's up to you. But the Gzir Shavav Chamishasar Chamishasar Tesvav Tesvav says like just as matzah is obligatory on the first night, so to Sukkah is obligatory on the first night. I says the Gemara of By the way, how do you know that matzah is obligated, that there's an obligation to matzah on the first night? Amrekra Ba'erev Tochlu Matzos. Because the Bible says that night, first night of Pesach, you shall eat matzah, hakasav kavo chova. The, the pasuk ultimately, again, has established it as an obligation. But say, so I just want to point out this. So therefore, again, here, here's what comes out. First of all, you know, we don't pass like Rabbi Eliezer, we pass like the Rabbanon. So there is no obligation to have 14 meals over the course of Pesach. Uh, Sukkah, sorry. However, we do pass him that eating in the sukkah on the first night is a biblical <clears throat> obligation. And where is it gleaned from? Right here. Between Pesach and Sukkot. Just like Pesach, you have to eat matzah on the first night. So too, again, Sukkot, you have to eat in the sukkah on the first night. I will say this is very important. This is why on the first night of sukkah, we're obligated to eat in the sukkah, even under circumstances in which we would normally be exempt for the rest of Sukkot, right? It's pouring on the first night. What do you do? What do you do? Well, first you wait, right? But let's say it's not stopping. What do you do? What do you do? You make Kiddush. You make Hamotzi, right? And then you could continue the rest of the meal in your house. What are you talking about? Kiddush and Hamotzi, right? That's mit- we just learned this. That's Mitzdar. That's Mitzdar, right? If it's raining inside of your sukkah, you're not obligated to sit and eat in your sukkah because, again, you wouldn't sit and eat in your home if there was a leak in the roof in a particular room. But yet again, because the first night 
is da'oraisa, chamishasar, chamishasar, obligated at least for Kiddush and Hamotzi, even under extenuating circumstances. Incredible. Now, we'll say, Tamim and Hagim brings down that some have the minog, interesting minog, to eat a kezayis of matzah in the sukkah on the first night. Right? So, so where, where, where does that come from to eat a kezayis of matzah in the sukkah? Again, some who want to really take that kezayis shava all the way. I don't think, I don't, I, I, I'm not aware that there's, a, that there's like a minag to do it with matzah shmura. I, I don't think that there's such a minag like that. But to go ahead and do matzah on the first night also is interesting. Okay, in any event, says the Gemara. Ba'odam Rabbi Eliezer. So we'll say, furthermore, Rabbi Eliezer said, that again, if you missed the meal on the first night, so you missed your, your first night obligatory biblical meal, you can go ahead and make it up even into Shmini Atzeres. I've Hamra Belazar, our boss, our boss, we see those Chayv Adam Lechol, Besuka Achas. I'm sorry, Besuka. Achas Bimba Achas Balayla. Amar Bira Amra Biami, Chazrabo Rabbi Eliezer. Ultimately, I'm going to say, so how does that help exactly? In other words, Rabbi Eliezer says you're obligated to eat 14 meals over the course of Sukkis. He's dealing now with a case where you went ahead and you missed the meal on night number one, right? And he says you can make it up even on Shmini Atzeres. Well, say, where are you eating on Shmini Atzeres? Where are you eating on Shmini Atzeres? In your house. Again, remember, leaving aside our contemporary practices, but in its purest form, you're not eating in the sukkah, you're not allowed to eat in the sukkah on Shmini Atzeres, in the purest form, right? So how does making up an additional meal, how does making up an additional meal on Shmini Atzeres Count towards your tally of fourteen sukkis meals. To which the Gemara says, "You're right." Am Rabbi Ami, Am Rabbi Ami, Chazir retracted this position. Right? Rabbi Bira was the name of a Chacham. Sending Rabbi Ami that Rabbi Eliezer recanted. He recanted. Rabbi Eliezer, what did he recant? He recanted his fourteen meal obligation stance. If you take a look at Rashi, Chazir Rabbi Eliezer. Listen to this. So Rabbi Eliezer recanted one part, but remained with the other. In other words, he took back the 14-meal obligation. It turns out that Rabbi Eliezer agrees with the Chachamim, there is no 14-meal obligation. The only obligation for a meal that exists on the Yantov of Sukkis is when? First night. Where Rabbi Eliezer does disagree is what happened if you missed your first night suda. What happens if you missed it? According to the Chachamim, according to the Chachamim, there's no makeup. If you miss it, you miss it. Rabbi Eliezer holds you can and actually have an obligation to make it up. When should you make it up? Well, ideally sometime over Sukkis. But if you did it, if you didn't make it up over Sukkis, you could even make it up when? During Shmini Atzeres. That, that's, that's his position. That's his position. So the Gemara says, Mashlim Bemai. So when we say that you can make up your missed meal on Shmini Atzeres, how exactly are you making up a missed meal? Ilema Berifta Suda Diomikaachil. Say if you say that you're going to wash, well, you're washing anyway on your Suda Shmini Atzeres. In other words, how exactly do you make up a missed meal? So if you want to say that what, you get an add-ins, an, an additional challah, you're going to bring out an additional challah during your Sudan Shmini Atzeres, challahs, challahs, challahs. Once you're washing, how is it demonstrative that what you're eating during your Shmini Atzeres meal makes up for the missed meal on the first night of Yamtiv? To which the Gemara says, Elamai Yashlim, Yashlim Bemine Targima. Both say, what should you do? You go in and you add on additional targima. Rashi says, Mine targima, la'achar shasilek, yaviyo parparos, u ma'adonim, lefanim kegon peros, 
Fikisnin, Fikuflotos, Mevushalos. What should you do, Rabbi Osai? According to Eliezer, if you missed your first night meal, then again, whenever you're making it up, even through Shmini Atzeres, when they remove the meal, you should bring out some additional items. Bring out some additional items that you don't normally eat. Right? So he gives examples. Right? Fruit or, or cake. Right? Kisnin. Kisnin usually is a reference to like these uh, dough, like a dough thing with, uh, with filling. You know, bring, go ahead. Bring something special out. And when you bring it out, it's clearly something you don't normally eat. That'll be the covered suda harishon shosokis. That's the makeup for the first suda. Good. We'll say we don't pass in this way, right? Again, we pass in that the suda of the first night is obligatory. But Allah Kalamai says, if you missed it, you missed it. Missed it, you missed it. Good. Says the Gemara. Most say it's great. Shal apotropus shal agripas hamelech eshabiliyazer eshabiliyazer. Most listen to this. So the apotropus, the officer of King Agrippas, right? King Agrippas was a, was a Jewish king. There's a whole story of King Agrippas we'll see by, uh, by Hakel. It's a whole story. So one time, the officer of King Agrippas, so a Jewish guy, So listen to this. This particular officer, you hold that there's an obligation to eat two meals a day in the sukkah. Now, I will say it's interesting because we just said before that Rabbi Eliezer retracted this position. Maybe this was before he retracted it. Okay. So, so this, this apotropist, this officer, says to, says to Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi, you hold that you have to eat two meals a day. What about someone like me who only eats one meal a day? I only eat one meal a day. So is that enough for me to eat one meal a day in the sukkah? To which, again, Rabbi Eliezer responded, Amrlo, Bechal yom vayom atamam shech kama parparaos, lechvot atzmicha, says, you don't eat one meal a day. Yeah, you eat one meal, but it has, you know, 15 appetizers. In other words, you, you, you eat one meal, but you have all these other things, these parparos. So he says, so he says it's interesting. So essentially what it says to this officer is, you have no problem pampering yourself when you want something. What HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants, do for him as well. In other words, the same way you're willing to do for yourself, do for God. You eat plenty. You eat plenty over the course of the day. You call it one meal, but it's not really one meal. You have a whole bunch of appetizers. So for Sokis, you'll go ahead and you'll make it into two meals. I will say, an incredible, an incredible use. So that the same way that sometimes, you know, most of us would go the extra mile for our own personal comfort. Right? If I had to push myself a bit more to make myself comfortable, to make myself happy, I would do so. Everybody is saying, whatever amount of effort you would expend for your own personal comfort, do that for the Ratzon Habore also. Do that for the Ratzon Hashem. An incredible Yisod. Vot Shalu. There's another Shaila. Kigon Ani. This is the same guy. The same guy. Listen to this, Rabbi Say. Kigon Ani. Shiyeshli Shtei Nashim. I have two wives. Achas Betveria. One lives in Tveria, one lives in Tsipori. I'm sure there's a lot more to this story. I, I, I have no doubt about that. Whether or not they knew each other, knew of each other, as a different Shaila. In any event, I have two wives, right? One in Tveria, one in Tsipori. This is actually fascinating. Not the two-wife part. And therefore, I have two sukkis. I have, two, I have two, literally two sukkos. Achas betveria, v'achas betsipori. Can I, on the Yom Tov of Sukkis, transfer 
from sukkah to sukkah. Rashi says, She'etzim mi sukkah l'sukkah, lecho v'lishon yom b'zu, ulamachar b'zu, to spend one day, to eat, to eat and sleep one day in one sukkah, to eat and sleep one day in one sukkah. You see the Shiloh and you say to yourself, what are you talking about? Right? In fact, the bigger shadow is the two wives, not the two sukkahs, right? right? What, what, what is this? Well, say, you're going to see, Rabbi Eliezer has a dramatic sheet. Listen to this. So the Gemara says, Amr lo, Rabbi Eliezer says, lo. No, you can't go from sukkah to sukkah on the umtum of sukkahs. Why? Shani Omer, listen to this. Kala yotse mi sukkah le sukkah, bata mitzvasa le rishona. say, this is absolutely incredible. Rabbi Eliezer says that for the umtum of sukkahs, you must choose a sukkah, one sukkah for seven days. And if you go ahead and you switch sukkos in the middle of sukkahs, not only are you not yotzei the mitzvah going forward, but what? You've retroactively voided the mitzvah of sukkah up until this point. Rabbi Eliezer says one sukkah, all seven days. Look at Rashi. We'll discuss where he gets this from. So we'll say, if you switch sukkahs, if you switch sukkahs, literally, you switch sukkah, in the middle of the umtiv, you've negated the mitzvah that you accrued the previous days. the opinion that you must spend all seven days in one sukkah. So Tanya, where do we say this? Well, this is incredible. Rabbi Eliezer, oh, Rabbi Eliezer says, Ein yotzin mi sukkah le sukkah. You cannot go from sukkah to sukkah. In other words, Rabbi Rashi says, you can't eat in one sukkah today, or sleep in a different, eat in one sukkah, sleep in a different sukkah, or eat and sleep in one sukkah today, be in a different sukkah tomorrow. Ve'ein osin sukkah bechalo shalmoed. Similarly, Rabbi Eliezer holds that you can't construct a sukkah in chalamoed. Now, why not? We're going to see because Rabbi Eliezer requires you to have a sukkah for all seven days. V'chum v'chum say, Yotzimi sukkah l'sukkah, v'osin sukkah b'chaloshamad. Rabbi Eliezer say, no, you can go from sukkah to sukkah, and that's not a problem. And you can go and you can make a sukkah in chalamoed also if you need to. V'shavin, but everyone agrees that what? Shem nafla, that if your sukkah falls down over the course of Yom Tiv, shechozer ubone b'chaloshamad, that you're allowed to rebuild. Obviously, you can't rebuild it on Yom Tiv, but you can rebuild it on Chalamayit. So we'll say, let's analyze this, because th- this is actually a pretty, a pretty incredible sheet of Rabbi Eliezer, that you have to have one sukkah for the entire Yom Tiv. So what's, what's the logic here? My time with Rabbi Eliezer, what is Rabbi Eliezer's logic? Get ready for this. Says, the Gemara, Amr Kra, Chag Hasukos Taselcha Shivas Yomim. We'll say, the Pasuk says, Literally, again, the Yom Tov of Sukkot you shall make for you seven days. Listen to how Rabbi Eliezer interprets that Pasuk. He says, Asei Sukkah Shiva. What the Pasuk is teaching me is, you have to make a Sukkah for all seven days. You have to make a Sukkah for seven days. That's it. One Sukkah that is going to serve you for seven days. Incredible. But Rabbanon, Rabbanon will say, no, that's not what it's saying. Halachikam Rachmanah. I say sukkah bechag, make a sukkah fiyamtiv, make a sukkah fiyamtiv. In other words, shivas yamim, chag a sukkah, stasal ha-shiyas, it says, make a sukkah that is going to be yours for seven days. One sukkah in which you are going to perform the mitzvah of sukkah for all seven days. And the Chum say, no. That's not what it means. All it means is, go ahead and make a sukkah for seven days. In other words, it doesn't have to be one sukkah. It could be five sukkahs. It could be ten sukkahs. You could go sukkah hopping day to day. But Lamaisi, you just have to be in a sukkah over the course of the seven days. Veshavin, 
and both agree that if the sukkah falls down, that if your sukkah falls down, you can rebuild in the Cholomayid. Now, what's the Chiddush? Pshita, well, that seems to be obvious. What's the Chiddush? Malgim, what would you have thought? Ha'achrisihi ve'enal sheva. You might have thought that according to Rabbi Eliezer, perhaps when you rebuild that sukkah, how do we view that new sukkah? As a new sukkah. Something brand new that's not connected to the previous sukkah that was standing. Kamash will know. Kamash that even in that case, Rabbi Eliezer will say, the sukkah that fell down was the sukkah that was standing. When you rebuild it, there is sukkah continuity. So I will say, an incredible machlokas. Incredible machlokas. Rabbi Eliezer saying, Chaga sukos tasa One sukkah, the entire yomtiv. Rabbanan saying, no. All it means is you have to be in a sukkah. Which sukkah? Whose sukkah? That's irrelevant. I'll tell you also, it's interesting. Because I think like even on a hashkafic level, there could be a little bit of a machlokas over here. You know, the whole essence of sukkah, the Zoharites, is Tzela Dehe Menusa, right? The sukkah is supposed to be the protective shade, the protective embrace. I, I spoke to you, right? We said this, Sasamis, beautiful Sasamis, who says, what's the shear of a sukkah? What's the shear of a sukkah? Two defanos, two whole walls, and a tefach. So the Sasamis says, what does that look like? What does it look like? Remember, I think I spoke to this. It's an embrace, right? One wall, two wall, third wall. It's an embrace. The sukkah is the embrace of the Ribbon Shalom. It's the embrace. It's the Tzela Dehe Menusa. It's after Yamim Noraim, I literally, again, immersed myself in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So, you know, it's almost as if Rabbi Eliezer is saying like this, true immersion means consistency. True immersion means consistency. Right? That's what it means. Divine immersion requires consistency. Same sukkah, all seven days. Because if I'm not consistent, it's impossible to maintain a relationship. So you want to go into the Tzela Dei Menusa, you want to go into the embrace, into the protective Shara Kodesh Baruch Hu, same sukkah, all seven days. And the Ravana will say, consistency, consistency, who amongst us is truly consistent? He says, consistency, that is the domain of the Ribbon Shalom. What makes HaKadosh Baruch Hu so great is that he is consistent. And by the way, he's consistently consistent. Right? And what makes us us is that we are, we are inherently inconsistent. We try to be consistent, but we recognize the fact that more often than not, we'll be inconsistent, at least in some way. So the Rabbana will say, just try your best. And even if you're going sukkah to sukkah to sukkah, we'll say, what does sukkah to sukkah to sukkah represent? What does it represent? And we'll say, no two sukkahs look the same. Isn't it an incredible thing? No two sukkahs look the same. See, even if today you're in this sukkah, tomorrow you're in that sukkah, because it is, right? People put up their schach different ways, the decorations are differently, this, you know, all different. No two sukkahs look the same. See, even if today you're here, tomorrow you're there, you know what? The ikar is, show up. Show up. Get yourself into the sukkah, even if it's not a consistent experience. Show up day after day after day, and that's all the ribono shal olam truly asks of you. An incredible machlok is not just in Hilchos Sukkah, but in Ashkaf As it says, all about consistency. Seven days, all in, same Sukkah. Rabbanan, don't disagree with you, but most of us aren't capable of achieving that level of consistency. But if I can't be consistent, at least I could be committed. We'll say here, this machlok is of consistency versus commitment. Rabbi Lezer requires consistency. Rabbanan say consistency, nah, a little bit difficult for most of us but I could give you commitment. I could show up day after day, even if showing up doesn't always look the same. Incredible. For Rabbanam, so the Gemara says, Tanya, Rabbi Eliezer, Omer, Kishem, Shein, Adam, Yosei, Dei, Chavosav, Yom, Tov, Arishon, Shachag, Belu, Lava, Shachav, Eiro. goes on. Rabbi Eliezer says, the same way that I can't be Yosei on the first day of Yom Tiv, 
with the lulav of my friend. We're going to learn this sugya. So the first day of Yantiv, you must have your own lulav. Because the Pasuk says, You have to take your own. So the same way you need your own lulav and asterisk. First day, Listen to this. You also can't be Yotzi and Yamtiv, first day of Yamtiv, with the sukkah of your friend. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That's the sheet of Shabbat Yezer. Both say pretty good. It's a, it's a strong drasha, right? It says lecha by sukkah, it says lecha by, by dalad minim, by, by lulav. Just like by lulav, it has to be yours. So Shabbat Yezer says by sukkah, it has to be yours as well. Now, both say, now this is interesting, because not only is Shabbat Yezer saying that it has to be the same sukkah all seven days, but what? But what? It has to be your sukkah all seven days, which is very interesting. The Gemara says, the Cham the Cham say, even though you're right that a person can't be yotze on the first day of Yom Tiv with his fellows lulav and esrog, you need to have your own lulav and esrog. However, but you can be yotze with the sukkah of your friend. How do we know this? This is beautiful. Because the Pasuk says all of these, literally all of these sojourners in Israel will sit in the sukkos. Now, we'll say, what I want to point out, and this is really the drasha, the way the word sukkos is written is chaser, without the vavs, right? When it's without the vavs, it's not looked at as a plural word, rather it's looked at as a singular word, which teaches me that what? Which teaches me that all of Klal Yisrael ultimately, again, could sit in one sukkah. Now, we'll say, now, each of Rashi points out over here, if you have all of Klal Yisrael sitting in one sukkah, is it possible for every Jew to own the same sukkah? And the answer is no. Because ownership, ownership has to be quantifiable financially. The minimum ownership stake in something is what? Is a Shavah Pruta. If all of Klali Yisrael were to sit in one sukkah, would every single Jew have a Shavah Pruta of ownership? And the answer is no. What do you see from here? That you don't need ownership over the sukkah. The sukkah does not have to be lacha. It doesn't have to be lach. It doesn't have to be yours. I will say, also just, <laughs> this we love though. But this notion of Kali all of Klali Yisrael could sit in one sukkah. I will say, it's also an incredible din in Achdos. It's possible for all of us to get along. Right, possible for, possible for every single Jew to sit in one sukkah. Beautiful Yisrael. Rabbanon, hai lecha, my darshibay. So what did the Rabbanon do with the lecha? Because Rabbi Eliezer uses lecha to teach me that you have to actually own your own sukkah and you can only be yotzi in your own sukkah. What did the Rabbanon do with lecha? Interestingly enough, they say it comes to exclude a stolen sukkah. If you steal a sukkah, well, we'll discuss this because not so pashit how you steal a sukkah, right? In other words, now the truth is we live in a time that you could like pop up sukkahs, you can steal a sukkah, but be pashit, when you're talking about stealing a sukkah, what you're doing is going into Ruvain's sukkah, kicking him out, changing the locks, right? And which is a whole shaila of karka nigzelas. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it. And then Rabbanon say, you can't be yote with a stolen sukkah. But you can be Yotze with a borrowed sukkah. Sukkah doesn't need to be yours. Rabbi Eliezer, Ezrach my Avile. What does Rabbi Eliezer do with the phrase Kala Ezrach be Israel Yesheba Sukos? Me baile leger shinisgayer ben Saim, the katan shinisgadle. So, this is fascinating. So, remember, Rabbi Eliezer says that you need to have the same sukkah, it has to be your sukkah and the same sukkah for all seven days. What happens if somebody converts during sukkahs? Or what happens, forget about case of conversion, what happens if a child becomes a bar mitzvah 
over the course of Sukkot. He doesn't have a full seven days. According to Beliezer, does he have the ability to fulfill the mitzvah of Sukkah? Tuch Beliezer will say yes. That's what it means when it says, Kala Ezrach. Whoever, right, ideally, if you're, right, if you're Jewish at the onset of Sukkot, you require your own Sukkah, and you must dwell in that same Sukkah all seven days. But if you only come into the mitzvah, over the course of Yom either you converted or you become a bar mitzvah, then Allah you could be Yodse even though you don't have a full seven days. That's obvious because once we know that you're allowed to make a sukkah during Chalamaid, that tells you that there's the possibility of what? Partial performance of the mitzvah of sukkah, even if you haven't had a sukkah the entire time. Turn Rabbanon. Both say, let's at least begin this story. Turn Rabbanon. One time Rabbi Eloi went to visit his Rabbi, Rabbi Eliezer in Lud. Which I've also, again, we've seen already before, there's a mitzvah to visit your Rabbi on Yom Eloi. So Rabbi Eliezer got upset. And Rabbi Eliezer says, Eloi, You are not one who properly observes Yom because Eliezer used to say, I praise the lazy people, not in general, but in this specific context, I praise the lazy people who don't leave their homes on Yom Tiv. Because Eliezer felt that on Yom Tiv, you're supposed to stay with your wife. On Yom Tiv, you're supposed to stay with your family. So Rabbi, Rabbi Eliezer got very upset with Rabbi Eloi, that Rabbi Eloi left his family in order to come visit him on Yom Tiv. So the Gemara says, Ini, is that so? But we learned, But we learned that a person is obligated to visit his Rabbi on Yom Tiv. We'll say again, this is a story by the Isha from Shunam. Remember again, we know the story. Her son had passed away. She was given a bracha of a son by Elisha Hanavi. Her son had passed away. She didn't tell her husband that the child had passed away. She was going to Elisha. And her husband says, why are, you going to, why are you going to Elisha? Why are you going to the Navi? Why are you going to the Rebbe? It's not Shabbos. It's not Rosh Chodesh. So from here, Chazal understands there's a mitzvah to visit one's Rebbe. Not just Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh, but also again on Yom Tiv. Yes, there's an obligation to visit one's Rebbe on Yom Tiv. When is there an obligation to visit? When you can make it back and forth on the same day. But if it would require you sleeping over, then you do not do that on Yom Tiv. Why? Because as important as it is to visit one's Rebbe over the course of Yom Tiv, the mitzvah of Simcha demands that we celebrate Yom Tiv together with our families. And that, that obligation trumps the obligation to visit one's Rebbe. So if you can visit your Rebbe going back and forth on the same day, do it on Yom Tiv. But if Allah requires you to stay over, don't do it. So apparently, again, Rabbi Eliezer got upset at Rabbi Eloi because when Rabbi Eloi came to visit him, it would have required Rabbi Eloi to stay over and therefore not be with his family. And Yom Tiv, we'll stop over here. We'll get to you more incredible Gemara Merit Hashem tomorrow. Shabbat